Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Derhodge of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, today, I have a special guest, Matthew Ferry. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Hello, Roxanne. Glad to be here. So Matthew and I have been trying to get together to do this podcast for a while, and we're finally able to line up everybody's uh, schedule to do that. Uh, so Matthew brings, uh, I'm going to say, a wealth of knowledge um, and space that, uh, you know, speaks to um, the authentic living perspective. And I'll read a little bit about Matthew and then we'll just jump into it and have a, a great conversation. Uh, he is a spiritual teacher, a sound writer and a best-selling author. And for the last 26 years, he's coached thousands of top performance in, in the achievement, sorry, enlightenment, achieve enlightenment prosperity. His books, videos, audios, songs and meditations and seminars uh, all utilize this street-tested methodology called the rapid enlightenment process. Well, I want to know about that. Um, and he's also the author of Quiet Mind, Epic Life, an Amazon self-help and spiritual bestseller in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Japan. Matthew and his family live in Southern California. I much prefer to be there today than in Niagara Falls, Canada. Yes. Well, it is, uh, I'm up, I'm up in the mountains right now. So it's a little cold and, and uh, different temperature, but yeah, down in my, yeah, down in my beach area, it's much nicer. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so did you go to school to kind of take the path that you've taken um, in your career? What, what, give me a story about what got mm-hmm. you, you know, in this space. Uh, it started with having these really strange experiences when I was a kid, about nine years old, where I felt like I was leaving my body and I, I didn't understand what it was, um, but I was experiencing such incredible bliss and peace that every time I went back into my body, I would um, you know, burst into tears of dread. And it, it took me on this path. As a teen, I was looking for that state in all the wrong places, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, and then I, I synced up with my father. My father is actually uh, a longtime legendary uh, self-help leader in the real estate agency space. And uh, in my work with him, he began to turn me on to all of his mentors. Uh, and it was that process by which uh, dealing with and trying to understand how do you get a person to perform uh, that I was actually able to begin to understand how do I get myself to perform? How do I get back to that bliss state? How do I get to that, that peace and that, that flow that was so palpable for me when I was young? And it took many decades, but here we are today. I have over the years developed a methodology. And like you read in my bio, it's street tested, meaning uh, I didn't I didn't go to school. I didn't study. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I actually uh, was working with tens of thousands of people in either one-on-one sessions or group sessions, working to see if I could get them 
to begin to do what they say they wanted to do, Mm -hmm. which turns out you could either do that because you're angry that life is the way it is, or you can do that because you're inspired by what you want to do more, more of an authentic path. Mm-hmm. And I gravitated towards that authenticity. Ultimately, I developed something called the rapid enlightenment process, which is a process by which over a very short period of time, your mind goes quiet and you have profound revelations of the oneness that we all are. Amazing. So your dad is Tom Ferry? My, that's my brother. Uh, my dad is Mike Ferry, actually. My oh brother. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so I got to tell you, this is so fun because I was looking at your name and I kept saying, is it Tom yeah. Ferry's and Mike Ferry? And I, I kept getting stuck and like, it's not Matthew. So I sold real estate. Nice. I was um, right out of university, first job. I don't know about the choice, but anyway. And your dad's trainings back then. Of the- course. That's you amazing. bet. Well, uh, you know, you can imagine if you are, if you're the, the son of the, of the real estate sales training guru, uh, he, you know, he literally um, just kept feeding us books, audios, seminars, consultants. I mean, we just, we never stopped. And ultimately for me in about 1999, I started to realize there's something else going on with me. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not jiving with this idea of um, make money just to make money or be successful just to be successful. I started to have these experiences where I was like, well, what do I think that the money and the success is going to give me? I think it's going to give me more peace and flow and options and, and prosperity. And I, I just was pulled to why not have that experience now? And that really led me on a, a much more of a spiritual path. Compared to the, the sales training world, which is nothing, obviously, uh, people need to be connected in a, into why they're doing what oh, they're wow. doing. But on a, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, went to school for psychology, went into sales, um, grew up in a sales family, and then I went back to grad school, and then I shifted out of sales, and then it ended up in uh, doing, you know, obviously frontline work, and then ended up kind of in a combination of. Um, business and again now the authenticity. So is it not interesting how that path kind of leads you regardless of your background? Yeah, I I find that people like you and I are, uh, we can't escape our own propensity to do inner work and discover the way to experience the most satisfaction possible in our lives. And, and that's unique. It's what I find is that when I try to speak to someone about externalized um, satisfaction, um, optimizing the environment and making a lot of money, uh, it always leads me back to, and you'll be there and your life will still suck because you'll suck on the inside. So now we're in trouble. So I'm curious, let's go back to that nine-year-old because I'm going to say, you know, that nine-year-old had something figured out that most, I think most children, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Matthew, come into it with that space. And what happens is life kind of knocks it out of them. And then they, you know, either go into a, you know, a situation where they have to kind of have that conversation with themselves about where am I going and they either go left or right. So let's talk about that nine-year-old and what he was experiencing, like you said, where you drop back into your body and you said, I, I don't like this. What yeah, is that? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that the that, that 
that particular nine-year-old, this, I mean, it's very accidental, right? There wasn't, I wasn't intentionally trying to do anything, uh, but I would be reading books. Um, I had asthma at the time and my mom would make me these little makeshift asthma tents underneath the kitchen table. And so it was like blankets, a little bed underneath, uh, the humidifier, a light and a book, right? And, and uh, you know, that combination of things, the hum of the humidifier, would just put me into these trance-like states. I'm, I'm recalling now, right? I don't actually know, but these trance-like states where all of a sudden I'd be looking at the book and next thing you know, the book was a hundred feet below me. And so was my body and the table. And it just, wow. I'd go into these incredible, uh, um, you know, existential states. And I think the thing for me was at that time, I, I really recognized that the rules that we all follow are not real mm. and that and that the rules themselves were limiters and now i was nine right what do you do about it nothing and who can you tell no one uh but it <laughs> it it really guided me and um you know the the people who follow my work uh call themselves spiritual hooligans and uh, we're spiritual hooligans because we look at the playing field of of life and we look for those rules that actually limit our self-expression and limit our creativity and limit our chutzpah and limit our joy. And we intentionally break those rules. We're, we're basically being hooligans. And, uh, and I think that, that the inspiration at nine helped me to see that. Ultimately, I, I would say, if I had to sum up what I was experiencing at that time, I, I sum it up in my book and I just say that enlightenment uh, is the recognition that the source of life for you is the source of life for everyone and everything, mm -hmm. that we're all one thing expressing itself with infinite variety. Mm -hmm. And when you connect with that idea, so you just automatically like, <sighs> and you're more free. It's really, really powerful. Right. Because, you know, and I, this is like something that I know I've experienced over and over again, like in, in kind of the path that I took, I, I grew up in Trinidad. It was a very connected, small community. And it was all about that stuff. But as life goes, like you said, you kind of, you know, you go into the systems and I went into the, you know, private school systems, academics, all those things. And so, I, you know, I, I you, you found the lane, you either found the lane or you're in trouble. Right. And um, so I found the lane quite early and then kind of started to do things rote. But at some point, you know, in your lives, because I always go with adversity comes that reality that you gotta do something. And, um, you know, about 10 years ago was when I stopped, you know, and started to reflect on things about what, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, even though, I was, yeah, <laughs> even though I was, I, I was in psychotherapy and those things, but there was other things in my life where eventually I started to, um, develop a practice of slowing down the things that I was teaching. I eventually um, started to listen to, to lots of things that allowed me to really come back into that space. Like you talk about to really, you know, what, what is my imprint going to be like when I am no longer and how am I going to use the gifts that I've been given, you know, to help those around me. And that's kind of when I made a, a huge shift in my life. Yeah. For me, uh, it, it was, it began with this idea that there was talking in my head that didn't care about me. And I call that talking the drunk monkey. And that was I mean, probably when I was 20 years old or so, I, I started to 
have this awakening to that my mind is not my friend. It doesn't care about me. It doesn't like me most of the time. It's incredibly judgmental. And it took me uh, the better part of a decade to really get a handle on the functionality. Like what is the mind doing exactly? That then led to a breakthrough. I started following a, a teacher named Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote a book called Power Versus Force. And I was, I was working on his muscle testing methodology. It was a, a methodology based on applied kinesiology. And he was tracking the levels of consciousness. So he was a psychotherapist who became um, uh, obsessed with this muscle testing phenomenon and how it overlaid with um, psychology and states of being. For me though, uh, while that was interesting, what was far more interesting to me was that certain phrases or words or ideas strengthened the body and certain phrases, words, or ideas weakened the body. And I began to draw a conclusion that the, the phrases that strengthen your body typically imply that all is well, mm-hmm. that life is good. And the phrases that weaken the body typically implied some kind of survival state and they weakened the body and then they caused the mind to talk. So that if you began to optimize your life towards this uh, set of what I would call enlightened perspectives, perspectives that imply that all is well and strengthen the body, then suddenly your mind would go quiet because your mind talks when a threat is present which is shocking for most people because they're like, my mind is always talking. And I, and I say, I know a threat is always present, even though you're living a life where pretty much what's going to kill you is what you eat and stressing out. Right. Fight, flight, or freeze. And most people live in that state, Matthew. And unfortunately they're not aware, uh, you know, that they're in that state and the opposite of that. And I'm going to, it's going to sound very woo-woo, but it's, it's a lot. If you really believe that, you know, we are infinite energy and we are one and we are all really that space of love, you're shifting. It's, it's kind of like, you know, that Japanese um, researcher that used the water. I don't know the actual name of it. Have you ever seen? Yes, of course. Yeah. The and messages in water. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you'd be like, am I seeing these things or is it really, happening right that the power of words and like you're saying like when you know this particular is it david hawkins yeah david yeah david hawkins yeah and that the reality is that you can impact the strengthened parts of your body versus or you can talk to water and it can turn you know horribly you know into decrepit things and then you can say fantastic things to water and you get these phenomenal fractals of 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 you know, things that get created. And you're like, how is this possible? Well, you might consider the ideas of syntropy and entropy. So syntropy is going to be that creative force that uh, is driving us towards greater states of complexity, efficiency, uh, empowerment. And then entropy, of course, is the destructive force, which mm-hmm. is degrading everything back to its base state. And certain certain ideas, though unprovable, are strengthening. So for example, the idea that I am an infinite being, um, while it might be woo-woo, uh, it certainly is unprovable. It is not, it's conjecture. Uh, but what you'll find is um, my life ends when I die is also, you have no idea. 
You don't know either, right? You, you don't know either one, uh, but the arrogant drunk monkey in our head is uh, pretends like it's the ruler of the universe mm -hmm. and that it knows what is right and wrong and good and bad. And it doesn't, they're all estimates. And so the method that I've developed contains within it. One of the components is this idea of let's, let's just put them to the test. If, if I can't prove it, does it at least strengthen me? Because if it strengthens me, then I go into a more free state because I'm empowered. If it weakens me, then I go into a threat state and, and now I am disempowered. And so for me, it was understanding the drunk monkey in my head. Then I began to figure out, well, what are, what are these enlightened perspectives that imply that all is well? Then I, in that process, I began to discern that there's a collection of modes of motivation for thinking that get the drunk monkey to talk. And I called that, I call these things, the, uh, the, um, hidden motives to survive and the hidden motives, greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, greed, resistance, lazy, these, um, these motivations are in all of us. And when one of them is present, the mind talks. It, when one of them is present, it implies that something is wrong and that you need to change something. Mm -hmm. It implies that you are in some way threatened and it weakens the system. So that's part of the method. You got to be able to see the drunk monkey. You have to be able to see the hidden motives. You begin to connect with these enlightened perspectives. And then the last thing is a, a you know, pretty typical thing that we all do in our psychological process, which would be to recontextualize. So you, you take the context of the situation, you turn it on its ear and you find the way to, to, to experience it in a more strengthened, empowered fashion. So recontextualization is the skill of describing the conditions and circumstances of your life in a way that creates an empowering reality for you. It's kind of like, if you're going to make things up, you might as well make things up that feel good. <laughs> Why not pick the good versus the bad, right? Like, I mean, you're, oh, ma I have you're a making choice. it up anyway. <laughs> so yeah. is that the process that, um, tell us, is this, does, is that the kind of the description of the process that you've developed? Yes. That's so that would be the rapid enlightenment process. Okay. And, and, and the rapid enlightenment process very, very quickly gets people into a more peaceful uh, quiet state. And then they experience all the things that, that you like to talk about, the creativity, the chutzpah, the resourcefulness, the, the authenticity, the bravery, the courage, all of that stuff just happens naturally when you transcend the illusion uh, that you need to fit in or look good or be right or be smart or be a part of the group. When you realize that none of those things are even important anymore. When you've seen what we've gone through in the last little while with the state that the world is in, what do you think has happened to the world around the uncertainty with the pandemic. Tell me your, you know, with your, with your coaching and your speaking, what have you been experiencing based on what you just told me about this process? 100% of the clients that, that we've been working with <clears throat> in our Ignite Mastermind, uh, uh, specifically, that's the way, the way that we work with people. 100% of the people that we've been working with have experienced an acceleration during this breakdown. And, and the reason being is that breakdown is the beginning of breakthrough, mm -hmm. that the world itself is actually on track for an extraordinary leap in our consciousness, our kindness, our unity, our oneness. 
And what always precedes that in evolution is the fight back from the old. Mm -hmm. And we can see the virus, of course, is one thing, but the virus is really just one component of the shenanigans that are going on in the world. And, and what you see is a bunch of old people who are fighting for separateness and, uh, and protectionism, and, and they should do that. And then you have a bunch of young people who are like, this is BS. And they're just waiting for the old people to die off or they're waiting for them to you know, move over. Uh, but we're seeing this tidal wave all around the world of people like you and I and our listener waking up and saying, oh, wow, I thought we were already on track for kindness and unity and oneness and love and cooperation. Turns out we aren't. I need to wake up and maybe do something about it. Right. And Absolutely. so you see the advertising and the and the grassroots movements to to really um, increase the amount of of unity and world level cooperation that are springing up. And of course, they're being massively opposed. And the virus is just what a, what a phenomenal spark mm -hmm. to bring this to light. So do we want the virus? Do we want people to die? No, of course not. But breakdown is the beginning of breakthrough. They're the two, they're the same thing. They're just a different place on the timeline. Absolutely. The breakthrough is coming. Absolutely. So for people listening, right? Like leaders and, um, you know, the average person that's just listening and going, oh, okay, Matthew. Okay. So like, what do I do now? I've, I've struggled with the, you call it the drunken monkey, right? Yeah. <laughs> In well, my the, head. Yeah, mine's the wrong, mine's the wrong uh, pronunciation. The drunk monkey back then. I didn't, I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't know. do well in English. <laughs> you know, what do you tell them to do? Like, you know, because, you know, a lot of people, I have had yeah. people experience exactly what you're saying and they're, they're enlightened and they're, you know, making connections at so much of a more profound level and they're rethinking their values and their alignment. And then there's other people that are, you know, drinking more and getting in more destructive situations, all those things, right? Those are also oh. good situations to be in because they're leading to something. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we, if we ta are talking to the person who is in a destructive state, uh, you know, step one is embrace it embrace the destruction, embrace your, your down cycle, and just admit we all go up and down. Mm -hmm. We all have up cycles and down cycles. And if you're experiencing that right now, don't resist, just be in it, be, be fully in it, drink as much as you can be completely out of control and embrace the negativity. Because what you'll find is the fastest way to positivity is to embrace negativity. So, and then deal with your worst case scenario. This is, so these are, um, these are coming from in my, in my free app that, that our listener could download. That is just my name, Matthew Ferry. I give them a 23 day little daily practice, little bites that they can take on for 23 straight days. And one of those daily practices is to actually accept the worst case scenario. Because what I find is that negativity is the way to positivity. And that if you just try and be positive on top of the negativity, it's like slathering a mud pie over the, uh, you know, ice cream over a mud pie. You still got a mud pie and, yeah. and, it, and you're like a, you're like a rose garden with a sewer underneath. I mean, you look beautiful from far away. You're all positive, but when people get up close, they can really smell the seething cesspool. Mm -hmm. So you deal with the worst case scenario 
that you're that you're probably avoiding that is bringing resistance and negativity to you 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 actually address it you make a plan for it you decide if the absolute worst horrific most nightmarish thing happens to me this is what i'm going to do a b c d and e you don't try to avoid it you actually say this is my plan if it happens because typically there's something opposing underneath you have something uh, uh, that you're avoiding and that's driving this destruction but once you do that once you face the worst case scenario what you'll find is it it's like it just lets off some of the steam and you go into a much more peaceful state, which then opens up your creativity. And next thing you know, you're like, well, wait a second, you know, do I really want to go to that worst case? No. And you're, and you yet suddenly you have some authentic creative moves that you can make. Absolutely. So going, you know, instead of resisting, just sit with it and, you know, uh, make it exponential in sometimes. And that's, you know, that's an externalizing therapy technique you're talking about to some degree, right? Like make it worse, sit there. You know, and then, you know, and then when you realize another thing that sometimes is used is you have people flip a coin. It's not, it's that simple. Right. And you say on the days that you get heads, you've got to have a great day. And the days that you have tails, you're going to have a horrible day. Guess what happens? People come back and they go having the horrible days or it's too much work. I prefer the better days. Right. So it's interesting, you know, talking about that scenario because it, it intuitively, I think, if you're able to sit in that space, you 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 come to a different um, recognition of what you're experiencing. But like you said, most people they're they're hovering and they're not looking be- below to see what's perpetuating uh, things that need to be shifted. And I suspect that your listener is more geared towards looking internal and mm-hmm. trying to discover what's going on with them. And I think for the for the average person, uh, you know, there's just so much complexity in what we get uh, told to do. And what I have, what I've always tried to do is just make it as simple as you possibly can. I mean, you, you went to my, all my father's trainings as a real estate agent or listened to him. Uh, and, you know, I was trained to simplify everything. And <laughs> my goal was to simplify the speed at which one could get to peace, thus the rapid enlightenment process. It sounds, it sounds amazing. Now I'm going to have to try it because it sounds well, I'm amazing. Gonna, I'm going to send you a book. So after we awesome, get done with this, awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll get your address and send you one. Fantastic. So this has been a pleasure, Matthew. Um, what I want people to know is that change is possible. Right. And we all every single day that we open our eyes, we have the ability to make a transformation and things may seem difficult, but it it becomes incremental or you can do it quickly or you can kind of sit at it. You just have to decide what am I going to do? Today's a new day. I'm going to make a a difference. So, Matthew, again, tell them where they can get this uh, download and for anywhere that people that are looking that might want to work with you or um, have you speak that they can connect with you. You just go to matthewferry.com. There's a uh, there's a button that you can press or a link for the app. If you want to get the app directly, you can just go matthewferry.com forward slash app and love to be in your life and help you go through this process of getting into a joyous, peaceful, authentic place. Thanks so much again for your time. So everybody, go out and get the app because it sounds quite fascinating. And if, if, if you're wanting more information on authenticity at home or at work, Uh, reach out to me at roxannedurhodge.com. 
Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.